back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture locust, lotus cast. Low cast? Low cast. Low this is a lo-fi hip hop podcast to listen to. Hmm. Uh, to study to, and to relax. Study. To. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, no one better relax to this podcast. This is high octane <laughs> shit. I yeah. like to listen to podcasts that like make me want to punch a wall. Mm-hmm. And sure. I have. Yeah, yeah, I have. I, I like to listen to podcasts that make me want to shit in a suitcase. Um, There's a lot of mm-hmm. those, right? It smells. Yeah. In here. It's stinky. <laughs> We're talking The White Lotus season one. We the watched it. White Lotus. Uh, We watched all six episodes of it on HBO Max. Uh, and we're going to dig into the whole thing because it uh, is definitely worth uh, the discussion. Yeah. Big, big show of the mm-hmm. summer. Awesome show. Um, and then, or I should say before that, we are going to uh, discuss the bracket of the next career arc series that is going on right now. So we'll get into that. Uh, my name's Ernest. I am... Um um i'm uh i'm plop from the office my name is hunter um i'm america's premier cuck steve zahn <laughs> and you have you might have testicular cancer yeah they're just swollen but it it it, it might well, be yeah they're they're no they're not swollen they're inflated mm-hmm. you have inflated testicles <laughs> and you did like show them off to yeah. us before we start this pod and you're rich Mm-hmm. And you have triples of the Nova, and she's dying. And, and you have a wife. I have a wife. She's gonna make it. So my friend doesn't live in a hotel. Let's get into this. My friend bracket. doesn't live in the White Lotus. <laughs> we have to snap out of this. <laughs> Let's get into this bracket. So yeah. Twitter.com/slash We Bought a Mic. We have a career arc bracket that we announced a little while ago. Um, gave you a little bit of an update on round one as we move through the round of 16 mm-hmm. and now we have our results of the quarterfinals to determine the elite uh i should say the final four from the elite eight yes and those results are tom hanks and robin williams and will smith and tom cruise absolutely so our next series is going to be one of these people and these semis boys well, before, getting heavy. Before we get to the semis, was there any surprising news for you from from you guys from the, um, the from the quarterfinals? Eight? Yes, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Sigourney had to go. I knew that You're was just going to have to win like a competition of some kind to make us watch Gorillas in the Mist um, because yeah. I know that's your number one. Yeah, um, I was not shocked about that one. The one I was most shocked about is. Uh, kind of the the Robin Williams hive. Like right now, he is handedly defeating Tom Hanks, and he wrecked Samuel L. Jackson as well. Uh, also, Denzel not standing a chance against Will Smith. That was, was pretty surprising. shocking. That was really really surprising for me. That that I thought that like you know Twitter polls just kind of have a tendency to people just scroll by and see a poll, and they're just like, I like that person more. And then Denzel has like a near 100% approval rating. Like, I don't know so he, a single person who does not like Denzel. Like, if somebody did that, I'd be like, get the fuck out. Like, I don't want to be your friend. To, to our age group and below, though, he is just like not very significant, if we're honest. it Like, what is the lexicon movie that everyone, every Zoomer knows? Inside Man? 
Exactly. <laughs> that no one that knows. That movie's perfect, and I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Denzel, like, you know, he was a 90s guy. Like, he was even before, like, he, we still were living in, like, his wake. Like, everyone talked about Denzel, but, right. like, as a child, his movies weren't, you know what I mean? Like, it, that makes perfect sense to me. Everyone knows who Will Smith is. Everyone knows he has a very interesting career. Um, and I would love to do a series on him because he has, he's a fascinating human being. You know, it's his career choices are all like very publicized and, and like well discussed. Uh, he's worked with a ton of great stuff. filmmakers. Yeah. All of his stuff with Spike Lee is definitely worth really digging into. Good he shit. would be great. Yeah, he's done great shit. He's done bad shit. He, uh, one, one thing that I'm realizing I really want is I want someone who's done kids movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, like Robin what, Williams. Yeah, exactly. Robin Williams to me, I think actually, uh, like, I I couldn't agree more with the upswelling of support he's gotten. I can't believe it, none like, of us it saw sense. it coming. It makes sense in hindsight, but it's just something that none of us like predicted that Robin Williams. Like, whenever we were making this, but we were like, yeah, Robin Williams, like, might as well throw him in. No, well, and we were like, well, people <laughs> well, we like him, him, so at, we'll make him like a five seed. Yeah, but we were like, do people really care that much about like his full career? And it turns out, yeah, they do. Yeah, he's, he's really, really interesting. He stayed relevant, um, oftentimes by doing bad you know movies mm-hmm. uh in the you know 21st century but he's been in some like 10 out of 10 movies and he's delivered 10 out of 10 performances yes i think more than anything it's kind of like he has the cage effect thing where even in a bad movie he kind of shines mm-hmm. um the thing is that why i didn't think of robin williams doing this is because i haven't seen robin williams ever really be like bad in something that was the same way that i've seen cage and i've seen even our my baby baby boy tom cruise be bad at something like that's why like to see kind of the hits and misses that's more so what i thought people would go to but i mean i would absolutely love to do robin williams yeah. one question would we cover animated movie uh, yeah, totally. Aladdin. Would we do Aladdin? Yeah, Fuck, yeah. we have to he's, do Aladdin. That's, he's, that is a Robin Williams movie. Yeah, he's, through and through. He's very important to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Hunter, uh, Tom Cruise had a little trouble defeating uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, so this he, was whenever uh, he struggled a little. This bit. was the first point of this entire bracket where I started to get nervous. Um, for my baby boy Tom, um, that he was struggling against Meryl. Don't get me wrong. Honestly, Meryl is another person that'd be fascinating to talk about just because I mean, you want to talk about longevity of a career. My God, there's there's so much. Mamma Mia 3, here we go. Mamma Mia 1 and Mamma Mia 2 as two different episodes. Yeah, I mean, Um, ABBA just announced a new album and dropped a new single. Honey, I am loving it. (laughs) I'm sure you are. Um, It is a vibe. But I have to say there has been um a bit of animosity in the group chats uh <laughs> yeah, yeah today there was a heated yeah heated it's getting conflict. it's it's getting hot because <laughs> the thing is okay all of these all of these contestants in the final four feel right i'm sorry samuel l but you had to go you didn't quite belong with these groups i'd be happy covering all four of these people um that being said i i've been very forward with my uh, desire to discuss Tom Cruise more extensively on this podcast. Mm. Um, and certain people are sitting at this table right now just <laughs> started to say a lot of shit about Tom Cruise. <laughs> about th- how he can't act and about how <laughs> Didn't he say has that. a bad face. Didn't and say about that how, But he does have good personal views and things and you do respect <laughs> him for that. If we go back and we see what I said like word for word I think that I didn't really go overboard at all with like critiquing him. He 
for the most part has done one version of one guy in most of Mm -hmm. his movies he's straight from that plenty and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's impressive sometimes it's really not but if we were to do an entire series on tom cruise and we obviously the guests that come on are gonna want to do the hits they're gonna come on for all the movies where he's playing the same guy we're gonna be like wow cocktail yeah like oh wow he is really intense and he talks a lot in this movie oh wow um he did a big jump there (laughs) yeah that okay i i need to get this off my chest this is gonna make you guys really mad that doesn't matter to me that he does stunts because what because (laughs) what do you mean that doesn't matter to you because doing it for your entertainment no he's not part of acting no it's also not it is no there's actually a whole job uh, uh that exists in hollywood because it's not a part of acting yeah a stunt actor yeah they're their own thing and he's stealing their jobs for his own money <laughs> that's not the actual but the take is that like at the end of the day there is a very very marginal impact on the actual movies as a result like yeah. you get you get face shots of him doing cool stuff well yeah, it doesn't just because the movies don't need the stunts doesn't mean that the stunts don't add a lot of value to the movie. Also, there's I a don't lot agree of, with there's that. a lot of movies where he just doesn't do stunts. Like I've always I've said this opinion, and you can call it a hot take if you want or whatever. I think he's better than Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Like um, he has a much no, like I, I more totally, nuanced performance. I definitely like, like he, I agree with you. He's able totally to do. do, and that's different. That's totally different from what he is in Jerry Maguire, and that's different from what he is in Eyes Wide Shut. It's, like these I, are different characters. See, Jerry Maguire and Rain Man is not very different. It's just or not. Uh, Risky Business. Like these are all different things. I think you just see him as a leading man. He's, I think that you, you, you he has leading man face. And I think that's why you attribute that, you know, when you go see something with a leading man, I'll do it with like a Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, I, I see Ryan Reynolds in this. I know what kind of movie I'm in for. But the I, thing is, he's better than like a Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's, he's a very good actor. I just don't find his performances to oftentimes be like very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I, and also, like I said, varied. We're doing a career arc series. Like we would be hitting the same notes. You have to admit how many Mission Impossible movies are we covering? Well, we, we, would have to, we would, we would have to put a cap on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because he's not like his performances are pretty steady in those movies to his yeah. credit. Like he's supposed to be steady. He's also just like not that interesting in those movies. I made a joke about those movies are about a generic do, hero guy. I made a joke <laughs> about wanting to do six they, episodes. I mean, you can be charitable and be like, actually, it kind of deconstructs that at the soul of those movies. He's a generic hero guy. Eventually, they yeah, obviously is, have to get into his internal life because otherwise uh, Chris McCoy would be an idiot not to do that. <laughs> but come on. He's he's an action figure kind of guy mm-hmm. for sure. It's I, like an, a better version of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger series, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger that's aged better. Um, well, at least at least Schwarzenegger had this like weird uh, self-awareness in a way. You know, not in the way that like The Rock does it, where The Rock can't even like do anything uh, serious. We also just we don't have good movies to put him in that the way that we had them for Schwartz. Mm, That's true. Like if if these movies, if Verhoeven was making movies now, The Rock would be a legend. Weirdly, there's like the closest thing that Cruz has to like a self-referential period of his life is in the late 2000s. He's in. um Mission Impossible 4, uh, Brad Bird, which it kind of is the first time where he's just like, God damn it. He's got like the old man, like Liam Neeson, here I go, killing again kind of thing. <laughs> Between that and um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, 
Right. Which Edge of Tomorrow is like totally kind of Great playing movie. with that idea of you see Tom Cruise and you think this man is superhero. And it's like, well, we're going to keep killing him over and over and over again. And like he like is drained in that movie physically and emotionally. Tom Tom Cruise's commitment to the craft is not just about the stunts. I think that it comes through in something like Minority Report where he does the action hero thing. But he also does like the tortured father thing. You know, he lost his son in that movie and he commits to that emotion. And you feel that character go through this harrowing, harrowing experience in that movie. It sings. It's great. Do you think he's a better actor than Robin Williams? He's not. Um, Define no. actor. Well, no, no, I think I think Robin Williams is special well, like i think that he was a truly like singular special, yeah yeah also the the whole thing isn't like do who's best because then it the finals would be tom hanks yeah, and but denzel robin williams also does have a rangier career a more interesting career that's like i said i really like, want, i don't understand what we're any, arguing about if anybody else does not win aside from tom cruise then i want it to be robin williams because i want to do a man of the year podcast I want to talk about what if man ran for president as a joke and won? Mm. Well, I, I want to say this isn't the case anymore because Tom is pulling ahead of Will Smith. But for the first like 15 to 30 minutes of the polls going up this morning, Will Smith had 100 percent of the vote. <laughs> And he held it for a few hours until I realized that the polls were posted. And then I brought the cruise hive. I don't know. I'm saying uh, we're all West Coast people. I'm not. Hive, so I'm not anti cruise. I like Tom Cruise. I think he deserves to be in the top four. I think he deserves to be in fourth place. If if he beats Will Smith, then like so be it. He has had a better career than Will Smith. Absolutely. And like in terms of how interesting it would be to watch them rise and fall, it would be pretty equivalent. Yeah. It's not that big a difference. I just think. We would end up watching a lot of action movies and there are way there are way better genres to watch if you want to dissect acting like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You have to admit for the podcast. Right. And that's, You're, that's, that's a fine. good point. I'm The thing is with Will Smith is that I that it's going to get sad, like not like Nick Cage, like he's stopped trying anything like Will Smith is going to get sad because he's still trying to swing and just miss yeah, over and still over get, and over again. You he's still get what? Bad Boys, Men in Black, Independence Day, Bad Boys 2. You get some good shit. No, in you do get some good shit, but it's in a short amount of time. And it's like, what's the best Will Smith movie of the last 10 years? Is it Focus? Concussion. It's not concussion. That movie is not, not good. But what um, else is it though? It probably focus. It's a good Margot Robbie performance more than it is a good Will Smith performance. Is it but his like, uh, Instagram? That's it. Yeah, honestly, like that's we're talking yeah, about YouTube after channel. Earth. We're talking. Is it, it's getting? Is it when he went bad. on Jada Pinkett's show and that's they talked I, about her affair? I want. I mean, we're doing a podcast on that. If Will Smith pulls this whole thing. Let's out. do it anyway. Yeah, I, let's do it. I, uh, let's do the Jada Pinkett interview versus the K, the Cruise Oprah. I'm mm, so interview. shocked at how easily Tom Hanks is losing to Robin Williams. Like that's that, wild. That, that, this is what I kept saying in the chat. Robin Williams is going to win this thing. Yeah. Like the he's dominating everyone. The, yeah, the force that he has brought to every single round is unstoppable. Do you like know, he's do you know, beating Tom 
fucking Hanks. And the Hanks stands came out. Like there's a, a a Hank Stan account who started like retweeting. Uh, no, but there's everything. There's Robin Hanks. stands now. There, it's Man. it's overwhelming. He's like, I just, yeah, I support it. I'm in. I like. I'm fully in on doing a Robin Williams series. Like he's someone who he doesn't have like. He, like performance wise no one can match how cage is just so all over the place but like as a guy and like <laughs> choosing which movies yeah. like he can he can get up there in terms of like how fascinating I, he is as a man like, i would be interested so interesting to also cover the documentary that came out a couple of years ago that kind of covered some of the illness mm-hmm. uh, well it actually covered a lot of his career but at the end touched on the illness that he had yeah. before he committed suicide. Yeah, it wasn't, it's very common it's, misconception. It's such it, a, it wasn't just depression. He had a very rare form of dementia and he was and just he losing also, his mind. Apparently he was also diagnosed with Parkinson's as well. Yep. Um, so he was, it's, it's such a tragic thing. I think that's the other thing is that people miss him. Like we just miss yeah, him so it's much. True. I mean, and, he's... Is he was he the only deceased person on the bracket? Yeah, I, I believe, believe so. so. Well, so yeah, and who's I mean, and who's been more present in the 21st century, especially to young people? Right. It's, it's true. It's like him. for He's I all mean, over. You like grow up, you're a little kid, you're watching Aladdin. RV. You reach your formative years, you're watching RV. You become <laughs> an adult and you're like, oh, I just need to fire up the Francis Ford good, Coppola good classic. Vietnam. I need to fire oh, up Jack. Jack and just remember mm-hmm. what about what if I was kid now? That was the only adults movie I was allowed to watch when I was five years I old. Wanna re- I want to, you know, it's funny. I remember I liked that movie as a kid. And I know it's known for being like a disaster of a film. Like it is like just completely bombed and it has like yeah. a 1.5 on Letterboxd. All right. Well, that is the state of the bracket right now. The polls will be up for at least another day or so when you're if you're listening to this right when it comes out. Um, so go vote in it. If the results hold as they are, as this recording, the final will be Robin Williams versus Tom Cruise. Um, so we will touch on that when, uh, when it's going. And then hopefully by the time we record our next episode, we'll have our winner. Mm -hmm. Um, so whatever happens, uh, we will make sure that we give you the best bet stuff and maybe get a little heated. You know, and if we get a little too heated, then we got to take a trip to a nice resort in Hawaii called the White Lotus. Hey. And on our way on the plane to Hawaii, we can check the Discord server for oh, yeah. questions. <laughs> it's a long flight. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like I get out there. I'm going to be like, Dad, Dad, I need your phone. Give me I your need phone. your phone. <laughs> Give me your phone. I and it's to... not to look at porn. It's to look on the Wee Bottom Mike Discord I, I server to, I for questions. I have to Brian on the Discord. I need to look at hashtag AskWabam on the Discord. Uh, shout out to the Discord that, uh, like we've mentioned before, is in uh, beta, uh, alpha, early access. It's um, like, we already it's have. Like, it's like Google Glass. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we already have some of our uh, beautiful donors in there uh, testing out, uh, making sure that there's no bugs making sure that there's no broken gears or mm. uh, twinkets or widgets. Twinkets. I heard Brett like stomped on like 16 roaches today. Make yeah. sure there's no bugs. And we have an Askwabam server uh, or in the server, we have an Askwabam channel and a uh, good old boy, Brian um, left us some questions in there. So we don't have time for all the ones he has in there, but it'll give us something to, to touch on uh, in future episodes if we want. So let's just pick one of these questions. I think the first one, 
looks like a good one. He asks, is Ashton Kutcher as good an actor as I'm remembering? Relevant info. Never saw the ranch. I just like the guy. Um, so was ever Ashton Kutcher actually a good actor? This well, is he? It's not. Is he a good actor? It's is he as good an actor as Brian remembers? <laughs> and and so, because of that, we unfortunately can literally not answer the question. I'm gonna Don't say know. I'm gonna say yes. Maybe he thought like he was like God. This guy's dog shit, man. This guy sucks. <laughs> hey, which case. No. No, he's better, 70s, than he's better than that. That seventies show was pretty good. He, Come on. Yeah, he's he's good at understanding the assignment when it's like a broad comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we think of him in something? Has what like, about a, like Jobs? Yeah, I was gonna say that's like maybe the the most prestige movie he's done, right? He was actually really good in that. I, that's the thing. I think he's good in that. That movie isn't great, especially because a better Steve Jobs movie came out like two years later. Boss so Bender. Just nobody talks about Jobs. But I remember that he was good in that. He looks just like Steve Jobs. He does. So it was yeah. a great kind of uh, physical casting. He, it's just it's I don't know. He has one of those careers where I think it can be really hard to <laughs> decipher it's, whether or not he's good. Because here's the thing about him. We know for a fact he is. uh unbelievably intelligent like he's the shit he does outside of acting is mind-boggling mm-hmm. he's like he's a fucking he's a billionaire he runs like anti-human trafficking uh company mm-hmm. or something like yeah. he doesn't wash his children yeah, it's fucking <laughs> I, yeah is he but he that? is like it's yeah cool. he was like one of the he was like the first person who said well like, i think yeah, it was mila kunis technically yeah. who said it but yeah they're they also get, his they get children. lots of fights you just gotta that. be quiet about that um, stuff <laughs> so he's he's crazy high functioning and brilliant he was like he was early in on everything involving the internet like he you know he was he was battling with like i i think lady gaga or someone to be the first person ever to have like a million facebook followers oh like, nice yeah. like yeah he's just he's so so smart and forward thinking or he, no was it twitter i think he was like the maybe first twitter. twitter he was yeah. like the first twitter he's just celebrity. everywhere that said he doesn't have a good career like he doesn't have a like he has a very lucrative career, but he doesn't have an impressive yeah, career. He, I mean, as he, he kind of just stopped acting. Like he was in, let's see, I'm looking at his IMDb now. He was in The Ranch in that TV show, and then like he showed up for the last two seasons of Two and a Half Men. He was in the Annie remake in 2014. He um, was in a lot of Two and a Half Men, dude. Yeah, he like only in like two seasons. Took over that show. That, that show Shane. is one of the best paychecks you can get in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that show is fucking they, massive. They're getting uh like over five hundred thousand dollars every episode. Twelve seasons plus worth. syndication I, for the rest of their life. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable money for great him. gig. Um, I do remember, like you know, I think that he was good in uh that '70s show, like for what he was being asked to do for yeah, that role. He just like he he. Is really he's a big, tall, like strong jawed white dude, and yeah. he like kind of seems stupid. He's kind of like the last of one of the last of the like rom com stars, and like yeah. unlike the Ryan Goslings and the Bradley Coopers and some of those that ended up being just a little bit more talented, he wasn't able to like transition that into an acting career. So whenever those movies stopped being made, like he kind of stopped getting them. Like I remember as a kid, uh. My mom and my sister really loved the movie What Happens in Vegas with Cameron Diaz and him. I remember I liked that. I loved Dude Where's My Car whenever I was like uh-huh. eight. So um, maybe he should have been in the bracket. You know. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. He just, I don't think that he. No strings attached. That's another good like, rom-com. Someone you know? like Bradley Cooper, 
like corny as he may be, he's genuinely crazy obsessed with filmmaking. Like that's his singular pursuit in life is to to the craft of acting and directing yeah. and yada yada. I don't think that's Ashton Kutcher's number one thing. And that's yeah, fine. And, and, no, that's, and that's, totally, cool. Yeah, like that's you, cool. You mentioned the human trafficking thing. It's like fucking incredible yeah. the amount of work that he's doing. Like he's like always just in courtrooms and like doing shit like yeah, he's more one funding. of those. It's, I talk about a lot. He's one of those like freak high functioning people that can wake up probably at like 5 a.m. every day and get good working hours until midnight if he needs to. Also, like, you you know what? I did actually gain a little bit more respect for Ashton Kutcher last year, um, uh, uh, like last April or so, whenever Chance the Rapper tried to reboot Punked. Mm. It was like, oh, man, Ashton was better at this than oh. Chance. Well, Punked is like, yeah. It, Punked like, is like, a, it's a cool show. Because like, was, there's, there's I, no way for the host on that show to not be a douche. In like right. a pre-massive internet time. Like, that show's a, a that's huge a movie deal. That can't really, or that's a show that doesn't really work as well today but that show was just like that was like one of his biggest imprints on I, yeah, yeah i'm, just I'm surprised that wasn't like the first thing we thought of because i i feel like everybody watched punk yeah like we're of a generation where like it was just like one of the biggest things for like it's just that and years that in 70s show kind of just typecast him like yeah. he's mm-hmm. just you know he's a dude dude i used, I used to watch the 70s shows <laughs> he's a big puppy that dog. 70s shows after school all the time yeah I, I mean, that's I again, I haven't revisited it like as an adult, but that's one of the best of like that era of like yeah. television sitcoms after school, throw on the TV, always on. It was always on. Um, Ugh, I wonder what Red's up to these days. All right. Well, it looks like we are now landing in Hawaii. Um, please take your seats, mm-hmm. strap on your seat belts as we descend to the beautiful islands of Hawaii. Um uh, you've been flying Wabam Airlines. Have a great time. Thank you. That was so long. I have to go to the beach. There's this secluded beach that I'm going to go to and get old. <laughs> oh, shit. You got, we're in peak. I'm on the wrong plane. I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, no. You got an old beach plane, not, not rich white people. Okay. This is, this is actually the best White Lotus fan theory. And it doesn't. So the first. The opening scene of White Lotus, if you could even call it a scene, is literally just Jake Lacey posts some vacation and some an older couple is trying to chat him up about his trip. Like, where do you stay? Blah, blah, blah. The, that couple is coming from the old beach. <laughs> <laughs> and they they just they're asking him because they want him to ask them. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, it, it was crazy. Yeah, man. These, these people, <laughs> yeah. they were they were and it's like, like, well, that was fucking rude. He just walked away. You have to ask us, are you going to be like, hey, yeah, you have a lot of energy for 84 year old couple. Yeah, no, they he, were four. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's gonna be like, yeah, I'm I'm seven. <laughs> I'm sorry about the so, dead body on the plane. White Lotus, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is a new show on HBO Max. Um, I guess I guess it's an HBO original. That's something I'm still trying mm-hmm. to get used to. There are some that are HBO. Yeah, HBO and Max. And there are yeah. some that are Max. Um, but this you you would get this show if you just had regular HBO on your cable plan and you tuned in every Sunday. But night. also, if you have HBO on your cable plan, then you do actually also have free HBO Max. Right. Still haven't quite still haven't quite nailed well, that rollout. Well, there is something <laughs> to the Sunday night HBO show. Uh, we haven't talked about it in depth yet, but Mayor of Easttown. Uh Friday, uh, Sunday night. That's it's that kind of show. I'm binging through the Sopranos right now. Oh, yeah. Obviously, a binge is not the same time as a weekly, but it just has that feel to it of like this is a uh, show that um, demands some type of attention. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it got it. People on Twitter were like, 
kind of freaking out about this show week after week. And just like Mare uh, at the beginning of the year, it kind of grew and grew and grew mm-hmm. so that by the finale, it was like peak Twitter yeah. vibe. Uh, and I think it, you know, I I saw the ads for this, uh, you know, earlier this year. And I was like, I don't need to watch that. That looks like derivative of a derivative. And I don't need more like uh, wants to be succession type of comedy mm-hmm. dramas about Knives spoiled <laughs> rich people, mm-hmm. uh, white people. Uh, and then uh, I heard good things, gave it a shot, immediately got hooked. Yeah. Got super hooked yeah. where it's I a, just had it on like just straight through. It's a stone cold killer. Like you said, it shared. I don't know what the this genre is, what to call it, what its future is. But yeah, it's Knives Out, White Lotus and Secession that mm-hmm. share so much DNA. Yeah. And yet crucial differences between among all yeah. of them. Like crucial, crucial. Um this is almost like a, a a dream state version of like a succession because yeah. this is succession it's like without, on mushrooms a little well, bit. Well, it's it's succession without plot. Yeah. Yes. Because they're on vacation. Yeah. It's um I've seen some people on the internet uh refer to it as this, which is this is actually a reference to like old television, specifically British television, but it's called Upstairs Downstairs uh filmmaking where it's just that you are showing like the super like overindulgent wealth of like the upper class and then also showing like the servant level underneath and like that's kind of the genius of this show is that it balances both really well together and like it's not ever like you fully like sympathize with these like sometimes monstrous rich white people, but like there's enough there like that's entertaining. The entertainment value is there. And I feel like there's definitely a much, much worse version of the show where it's very preachy and this show never gets preachy. No, it's less preachy than Knives Out, um, which, you know, I don't find like particularly preachy, but you, you there's not even as much of an avenue to like find that in this show. It just it rocks hard. It it's character based dramedy. Yeah. And it's it it's in this really great pocket of of surreality where uh it's not like I don't know. I don't want mean to just compare it to something like Secession, but uh characters are not throwing like roast jokes at one another. They're not like riffing like their stand-ups at one right. another. It's not that. It's like a, it's a layer a lot closer to reality in that regard. Uh, and also because there's no plot, we are getting deep into the internals of these characters. Like this is a, about their minds. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an ensemble cast. Um, so I think the best way to talk about it is by kind of grouping each subplot, mm-hmm. and we'll have to do, like get fully into spoilers. Um, but the setup is this beautiful Hawaiian resort that is not for like the ultra rich. But like enough uh, level of wealth that one of the characters is like a CEO at a successful. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's technology. pretty ultra rich. Well, the, they say later on in the scene that this is known as the most romantic resort because it's like off the beaten path a little right. bit. But I, so. I feel like I feel like there is a level of wealth above this. That is kind of like that succession level where um, they just get their own resort by themselves. They have a house. The Lolita (laughs) Express. uh, (laughs) So this is like this is like a notch below that. Um, 
still an insane amount of wealth, these people. Uh, and then the workers at the at the resort. Um, and it's written and directed the whole thing by Mike White. Mike White. Um, Ned Schneebly himself. From School of Rock. Oh, yeah. A perfect film. Yeah. And uh, it's six episodes. And apparently it came through uh, HBO just being like, hey, Mike White, uh, there's a pandemic and we need programming because we don't know when we're going to be able to resume shooting the stuff that we had to shut down. Uh, what do you got? And he was like, well, I would like a paid vacation to Hawaii, please. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I will come up with something. And they were like, go to Netflix for that. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not doing the Adam Sandler thing. But this what will if, be what good. If it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, Mike White is like such an interesting career. Like he is, looking he's a fascinating because guy. the thing is that like he kind of like he is like the general what happens for even our favorite writers in Hollywood, which is like he makes something like School of Rock or Orange County. But like that isn't enough to like just propel you for the rest of your life. So he has to take jobs as like doing the screenplay for like the Emoji movie or the one and only Ivan and like yeah. do a bunch of like shit stuff that pays the bills the, the so script, that he can make something like the White Lotus. The script for School of Rock is incredible. Oh, it's a perfect script. Like it's so he's fucking good, good at writing like down the middle movies. It's like writing for children and then having those children because of Dickie Link's uh, the genius mm -hmm. Mr. Link later having it actually work you know these extensive child roles uh you're give, you're giving him so much time on the page and on screen and it just all clicks beautifully so i'm a, i'm a huge fan drew and i were talking about enlightened earlier which mm -hmm. we need to see uh, now after we've watched yeah, White yeah Lotus, this this is the show rules. Uh, yeah none of us have seen it but it was on hbo in the early 2010s it starred laura dern and it was made by mike white if this were to come out in the last three years the the buzz would be yeah yeah insane. we've been losing it but it, it just got nothing back then uh because you know there wasn't maybe they can pass it off as a new show they can just like re <laughs> re-air <laughs> nobody saw it yeah yeah it just it came and went uh but yeah he i mean he's a force he, like he he showed me a lot that i had not seen from him uh in this because i'd seen orange county when i was a kid even and he has he has uh sort of a a litany of like other movies that are sort of like that they're you know they're they're navel gazy white people movies mm -hmm. basically and they're not bad but they're not like incredible um this is like almost reflexive on those types exa of movies. well exactly this is he very smartly uh adapted to culture and like the evolution of the narratives of, <laughs> of like the ways that we uh make these privileged like uninspired white people at the center of the frame uh and at what cost so and staying super loosey goosey with it too like this it's this so show, funny man it's really funny this <laughs> show you don't have to be like zeroed in on every frame of it to enjoy it like you can kind of just like swim in it and at times get more pulled in than others you know you're following a lot of these different storylines and you're taken through them with this incredible score oh the score so mm. so good I oh my god kind of like blown away by how much i love the score because it just it puts you almost in a trance mm -hmm. a little bit I and mean, you do feel kind of like that hallucinatory quality to the show um it's i don't even know how to describe it it's it's almost like these weird horns and drums and it's i mean yeah. it's it's a riff on like 
traditional like Hawaiian Islander, type of, yeah, just yeah. general Islander style music. Like it's it's the um, I don't remember exactly what it, it's like the offbeat drum beat. Of yeah, it. but it's by Cristobal Tapia de Vere. Yeah, uh, has a it? Chilean and Canadian. Uh, composer he doesn't have like a ton of stuff that like people would know he did um the soundtrack for a black mirror episode but like that's he doesn't hey, have a he lot did, of great uh, notes he did the third day that uh oh the that the, jude law the, thing i watched is that the thing where uh there's like 24 hours of him like burying like digging a hole yeah, so Ooh. that was that was the <laughs> that's, special. That's good news. That means uh, he got another job, so someone else must have watched that, not just you. Dude, yeah, so he did <laughs> National Treasure. Okay, I'm listening. No, what? No, he did National Treasure is an original soundtrack. Oh, okay. It's oh, not connected to the film okay. <laughs> National Treasure. What is what is National Treasure 2017? It says what? original soundtrack, so I don't I don't it's oh, to something, but I, think I don't that's know a what British, the fuck that is. It's a British thing. Um oh, fuck that. True. Um anyways, so you mentioned getting uh like kind of the wave of how locked in you can even be per episode. Um and I will tell you one person who every single time he was on the screen, I was more than locked in, and that is my guy Murray Bartlett, who plays Armand. Uh the Wow man. That kind of the MVP of the whole thing. Dude, huh? I just like you said the low key, the MVP, and I was like, there's nothing low key about this. <laughs> like this guy is like he's batting like ten thousand. Like he is just he is perfect. Yeah, he <laughs> kind of runs away with it. Um, but yeah, you you mentioned plop earlier, Jake Lacey. Uh, he's in it along with Alexander so, Dario, Jennifer his... Coolidge, baby. She's yeah. really good. So, so good. Yeah. So we have what's his name? The uh, we just we just are singing. Oh, friends. Murray Bartlett. Murray Bartlett is the manager of this hotel who is like over eager to please everyone. Armand. Yeah. And then Jake Lacey and uh, Dario are a newlywed couple who uh, he's a fucking douche. Prick. The worst fucking yeah. person. <laughs> um. And as I we're and as we're going this through this cast, every person I'm saying I enjoyed their performance through and through. There's not mm-hmm. one person we're going to mention that I didn't like. Yeah, I, the, my biggest takeaway from this show is like I was so shocked, I was so surprised because I kept doubting it. Mm-hmm. Like going into it, I was doubting it. First couple episodes, still doubting it, even though it was impressing me. I was like, "There's no way that this is going to wow me." It's I'm impressed. I'm not wowed. And as it kept going, it kept impressing me and impressing me and impressing me. By the end of the thing, I was wowed because I was just never my expectations were kind of low to begin with. Mm -hmm. And with every episode, I felt like it was pulling me closer and closer and closer to loving it's it's hard to do this because like i've seen a lot of people describe this show as a satire but it's not entirely it's very dramatic Mm -hmm. it's you know it's people would call it a dramedy but that reduces it to two genres this is it's just like a very flowy piece like it's my favorite type of art period it's also it's not pure satire because there's a lot of like genuineness to this yeah, like there's, it's there's very sincere in a lot um, of what it's trying to say which, yeah so getting back through the cast though jennifer coolidge who has like always been like this she's always been this good and just uh doesn't get fucking roles yeah i've had jennifer coolidge moments. stocks and yeah this is a role that was just like literally like it must have been written for her she mm-hmm. there's no one else who I, could I wonder play how he did it did did they cast it first and then he got to writing like based on availability and like maybe uh-huh. the initial pitch 
of what he wanted to do. I'm sure know. that like this, like if you made this pitch and you sent it out to people, especially when actors aren't acting during the yeah. pandemic, he might have had people in his mind. And I feel like he probably was able to get them for the most well, part. He apparently he said that like he didn't really work on the script for too long. Like it was like a first draft and then they started shooting like they wanted to get this thing out ASAP. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is the perfect version of something that is a pandemic production because yeah. it's all small. It's they're just in one confined space. And yeah. it's not about pyrotechnics. It's about characters. That's yeah. that's all you could ask for in a quick production. That's also really good. Yeah. And the emptiness kind of adds to the story in a weird way. The fact that this isn't a packed resort, you kind of feel like these these people are in some kind of way trapped there mm -hmm. it, it, even though they're like There's, in a luxury vacation yeah. they're they're trapped on that beach yeah they try to leave they, they black out yeah i mean in a way they did leave this uh, resort older, older than wherever yeah. they got there lord lord was doing solar power there you know hey look um, i'll be there on that beach um so and then she she's paired up for the most part with natasha rothwell who was uh, a newbie to me as um belinda who is a she she sort of runs the like spa at the at the resort and she yeah <laughs> uh jennifer coolidge endears herself to her very quickly and then we have the family um, yeah i wanted to which, which I, I do they have... just eat the screen up because they're all so good and their dynamics are in fucking incredibly written like they're so well written and performed i oh. want to talk more about alexandra daddario uh but most of my thoughts on her are in whenever we start talking spoilers and like how that yeah. character evolves and how it plays with the idea of who that character is and so many things it's just but yeah no uh connie Britton, um who i i love her i've only seen her in a handful of things specifically in the first season of um american horror story she's like absolutely incredible in that um, and then she's in like a couple of days. I know she's in Nashville, which a lot of people love, but I haven't seen her enough stuff, but her and Steve Zahn, the King just have like chemistry almost feels like the wrong word because it's about like the lack of chemistry yeah. that they have. But as actors, they have the best chemistry. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. Yeah, they, they play a married couple that is essentially like resigned to not trying to be a yeah. couple like romantic in any way they have a grown daughter and uh supposed to be a teenage son yeah a high school but, son who can't stop jacking off uh who's like 24 um <laughs> his his body is 16 sure i i kind of let just, that he, one pass. he just has actor head you can't hide <laughs> yeah you can't hide that that noggin but uh but yeah they have these 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 kids that are older and they you can tell they just haven't fucked at all no like, they don't be so fucking. long uh yeah they they just have issues so they're a couple and then the children i think all three of these younger they're you know they're not children teenagers but i all three of them i think knock it out of the these park. are these are the, the characters that could easily ruin the show yeah because mm -hmm. mike white like you know he's putting all this work into these other characters and then dynamics and you know you're balancing different storylines and the kids could easily be like an afterthought and when well, you're putting so much like real estate on like all of these other great storylines but i think i don't know if it's all credit to mike white no, I think that not. these three actors just bring it. They bring it and they elevate what could have easily been like the the least essential part of the entire thing. It, well, exactly. The 
the reason I say it's not just Mike also, well, because first of all, they're really good actors. Like they, all three of them, I, I loved to see on screen, which is usually not the case with the youngest uh, performers in anything. Uh, in addition to that though, there's just no way he could write young people this well. Like, and that's yeah, not because he's exactly. an incredible writer, but like, he's also the type of director to allow his actors to like, correct him yeah like he's if you've ever like seen an interview or heard him speak he's like a very affable uh you know he he's a listener type which is not always the case with directors he's not you know chris nolan immaculately blocking everything and like being like hey you you used a contraction on that word when i wanted you to say the whole word it's not like that and it's flowy yeah and most of the time I was hearing things that, you know, in this heightened reality made sense for teenagers to say. Yeah. Which that, is uh, it's Sydney Sweeney and Brittany O'Grady are the girls. Yeah. And then Fred uh, Heck. Hecking, Heck, Heckinger, Heck, which I did confirm he was 21 whenever they filmed this. Yeah. Movie, yeah so I, I, figured, I figured. But they they definitely like bring that kind of youthful edge to mm -hmm. the dialogue where they they express they they speak in ways that you believe a young person definitely would well especially a young just hyper privileged person yeah. would and i mean for the most part everybody except for sydney sweeney who i'd recognized from being in euphoria um which she is also phenomenal yeah um her and also shout out to uh young hot beach hunk lucas gage who plays dylan um who's also Yo. euphoria I knew he looked I, familiar. I was like, I know who this fucking guy is. I had to look it up media. I was like, oh, he's at Euphoria. Yeah, Isn't like, he the guy that gets like beat up? Yes. By Nick? I think so. Yeah. I um, think so. Um, but no, I mean, you are you guys are all right. Like, I 100% agree with you. Like, it's so well done. And I feel like um, Brittany O'Grady has like the most difficult performance who plays... Um, olivia's friend from college paula yeah she, she by far has the most difficult performance of, of the kids give. yeah she changes yes. so much um at least she changes an incredible amount i kind of i kind of wish so the one of my nitpicks is i kind of wish there was a little bit more from her um you mean from her performance or from her character from the character mm. because i mean i guess this is more in spoilers but where that character goes like the the kind of place where it goes it kind of came a little bit too late for me mm. and i wish that there, we would have spent more time with her kind of fleshing out a little bit more from her before they took that character where they took her and it's that's just a, a symptom of this being like it just needed to be a little bit of a rushed production mm. they needed to get going yeah and if if you would have had like maybe one or two more passes on the script i'm sure that knowing where that storyline goes, there would have been a little bit more setup at the beginning. That's fair. It all, well, I do like a lot of the slow unraveling, but it is if we had eight episodes, I think that that we would get that. I yes. think you're totally right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I like that at first we truly see her has an identical equal to Sydney Sweeney. We see them as two like sociopath girls. Right. <laughs> Like two absolute freaks. Always sociopaths. reading a new book. Yeah, every, every day season. every day they have a new new book that's it's an annoying the, book. It's the funniest choice yeah. I've seen. Um every day they got new books. They are so um incisive with their critiques of people. Um and they do they feel no feelings about just absolutely destroying anyone in their path. Um so yeah, I, I like that 
another slow unraveling that's a little plotty is we do wonder why she is keeping a secret from Cindy Sweeney for like two episodes. We don't find out why we're just like, I don't know why she's keeping this secret. I have no clue. What's this between them? Like, I guess they're not the same person. So I like I like that we started somewhere so different uh, than where we end up with her and with really everyone. I mean, Zahn. Spe- well, before Zahn, um, Zahn's got arc. Speaking yeah. of the books thing, I just wanted to point out, I had to take a picture and send it to you guys uh, whenever I was like finishing up the last episode yesterday. But the girls are all reading like Nietzsche and all this yeah. like high sophisticated stuff. And my guy, Jake Lisi, is just reading uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. Yeah. Which just another great honestly, choice. Incredible choice to do that there because as soon as you see Jake Lacey, it's the the plot of the book Blink, which is like you see him and you're like, oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> like That's just a great choice by Mike there. Um, but yes, no, let's talk about Steve Zahn. Let's talk about the well, balls. I, I really I really just want us to like go into full spoilers. So okay. let's let's just share any final non-spoiler uh, thoughts. Before. Like I said, uh, this is my favorite type of art like period is something in this type of pocket it's it does a really good job of giving its characters different very distinct voices but they all fit into the tone they're not in different projects and that's really hard to do uh i think as a whole this is a hard thing to do it's it's a lot more impressive to me than uh of you know a physical feat of filmmaking like an like an action type this is this is hard man this at every turn this could have become a piece of shit (laughs) you know what i mean well it's something that it's a perfect marriage between uh like showrunner and the actors like the actors know exactly what they are yeah nobody's trying to like give an emmy speech or anything there's no speechifying it looks it looks incredible and also yeah if like we can give credit to all these actors but if every single person on the cast is doing this good of a job then you start to talk about the director right Mm -hmm. and also again just the fact that they this was like a covid like vacation project kind of thing like they didn't have to go this hard you know they could have easily just like totally half-assed it and just like enjoyed their time in hawaii try to forget about fucking covid and just like lay on the beach but they didn't they made a great fucking show Mm -hmm. one of the best shows of the year yeah and we we loved it i loved it i i have it on my top 10 right now i love it so much yeah it's gonna it's gonna be in my top 10 it's interesting that because you mentioned uh like i know ernest you watched mayor and i did too and i think that's because of watching mayor that i was late to the game on this because i was like I heard some people a little bit of buzz and everything, but I was like, yeah, but Mayor just came out. Like right. HBO isn't going to put out back to back bangers. Exactly. Like, I was like, I can give it some time. This will be like the summer thing. Yeah. And they'll have another big hit in the fall. I feel like HBO didn't think that this was going to be as big of a thing as it is. No, they, it was. They, it, I'm telling you, it's just they just needed yeah. something to fill the they, time yeah, before they, succession. You can and, tell that they didn't think that because they didn't give it the money to become that. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a here's all the money you want. Here's a blank check, Mike. Well, let's let's just get into spoilers. Let's get into spoilers um, for White Lotus season one. It is getting a second season, different yeah. characters. So hey, do we have that confirmed? That's, yes uh, obviously that's like what it should be yeah a fully I, different cast i don't i want to wait before we get to the big thing at the end because i actually think that's like one of the least interesting things about oh, the totally. show um but now that we're in spoilers have to ask what is the best armand line reading 
the best Armand. Oh, it's the one that I sent in the chat. At episode one, he's the pregnancy. A, yeah, it's it's Fuck. so <laughs> the way he he just like opens his mouth all the way when he's in surprise. But I do have I do have another nominee that I think is my winner. It's in the season finale when he just goes fully on his bender um, and he comes back after like singing to himself while he's putting the fucking plates on and everything. He An says, incredible. Scene. I fucking nailed dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, oh, hello, Hutch. That was the best fucking seating ever. This guy. It's so good. Owns this. I role. like. Man, well, okay, we gotta. Oh. We, there's so much to talk about. We gotta talk about how this show goes so overboard to mm. the point where not only do we get like a full on, like basically a gay sex scene between him and the other guy from Euphoria, they're both like hopped up on like so many things, <laughs> eating ass, and yeah, and then they walk in on that. Like, that's where this show goes. But no, 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 that's not enough. We also know that somebody, that there's a body at the end of this show. So we're always wondering, like, whose body is that? Mm -hmm. Never did I ever, ever, ever think that the answer was Armand. Well, this is, first of all, I love, I know it's, I know it's hokey and it's just such like a, a TV slash movie device, but to start it with just that amount of information, mm -hmm. I think to me was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. of because course. all we know, all is all I thought I knew <laughs> was that there had been a murder, uh, and Jake Lacey had lost his wife. Uh, I mean, likely because he's such a douche, like, I'm not even thinking that he, he like, it's because like she got murdered or whatever mm -hmm. that, that never even crossed my mind. I was, however, thinking that he was not involved in the murder because he's flying home on time. Yeah. yeah. So, Otherwise so he'd be in prison, almost the one person that the show wants you to think isn't involved is involved. Yeah. Is the murderer. Yeah. And, and that was shocking too. the fact that it was him, the, the murderer, that you it, know, that he was the murderer. And also I will say I was like, I wasn't surprised as the series, especially as the season finale went on, then it was like, oh no, Armand's gonna Armand's gonna bite the dust. But when I would have rather I, have seen him be the recurring. So that's character. that's what I was gonna say was I knew about this show getting renewed for a second season with a different cast before going in. And so I was like, oh well Armand will make it. He's just like he's there'll be the one recurring guy. He's the host of the White Lotus. Yeah. Everybody else will Belinda will maybe get lucky enough to get the fuck out. But Looks like Belinda's the one, the one survivor who's going to yeah. make it for season two. It might, it might be a different location. Like it might be. This is like White Lotus Hawaii. We we'll might get, get like we'll get White Jennifer Lotus, Coolidge, uh, White Lotus Aspen. Hey, White yeah. White Lotus on deck. Cruise line. <laughs> it's a cruise line. They have cruises as well. Come on. And it's just Paula's just there, just vomiting everywhere. Yeah, there's because she cannot be on boats. Everyone knows this. This this show could so easily be on a cruise. It would rock so hard. I would love it. I would I would love to see like an Icelandic white lotus <laughs> with like geothermal hot springs. Whiter lotus. <laughs> <laughs> Whitest lotus. Uh, but Armand, yeah, he ends up being the the body. And that scene is like one of the best scenes in the whole show. He takes a shit in Plop's suitcase. Mm -hmm. He takes a dookie in the suitcase. He plops into the bag. And we see it come out of... We don't get a full-on shot of asshole. 
but we see like a wide side profile. What do you guys think about that poop? Out of ass. Good fake poop? It, yeah. It's Convincing. good fake poop. Coming out of the butt, I didn't know that it wasn't coming out of his butt. Yeah, it's of not. Co- I mean, of course. It comes out like sideways a little bit. It's like, <laughs> that's not how poop fall. But, you know. Why didn't they just have him just take a shit? Is that like, would that make it like X-rated if a man like actually defecates? <laughs> they might, like they on might, screen? They might have to get him to sign some other sad contract <laughs> yeah. type thing. <laughs> like, we're going to give you a $10 yeah. million dollar raise. This we're we're going to have to add the jackass clause to your contract, Jake. Don't ask why. This is more of like, that would be more of like a Nathan Fielder situation. Situation where like he thinks he's in some type of like weird fetish porno and he doesn't know that like nathan's conspiring that to this make, is like, actually this. an hbo show <laughs> that um, so jake lacy he he gets a he gets a lot of screen time in this mm-hmm. and i think this is the best use i've ever seen of him because i frankly i didn't like him in the office because i He's not likable. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's He's a snap not- judgment thing. Even if he weren't wearing the douchey clothes, I don't like I don't see him and think, oh, this is like a romantic comedy guy. But this is this he's is not the perfect that. role for him. He's a douche. Yeah. He and he's really good at it. He just needs to let himself be it. You know, I think he spent he picks really incredible roles. He's a great actor in terms of like taste. He mm-hmm. has good taste. He just he's been battling the typecast because yeah. you don't you don't want to just be a douche. It limits what you can do. And he's handily done other roles but this is what i've always wanted to see i didn't realize he's in fossey verdon yeah he has a small okay small role uh different than this he i think in that one he is playing more of like your stock like uh you know kind of vanilla side date guy like he's just Mm -hmm. on the side like i'm a good man because in that show uh you know bob fossey's like the unpredictable like crazy artistic asshole guy so he's like he i provide the more steady approach for you gwen burden yeah i just Um, i just never i just never bought him as that i i want him to do this i want to see him wearing salmon shorts yeah come on evil every time i see him salmon salmon shorts asking about the pineapple suite Mm -hmm. (laughs) every opportunity that he gets even when he says like no i gotta talk to armand about something different like it's not about the pineapple suite um it's, I want I want him to I want his mommy to be there, dude. Yo, shout Molly out to Molly Shannon. Shannon comes in Give this at woman the a fucking quarter, guest puts up like fifty points. Like yeah. holy, she's sort shit. of she's like sort of made like it's like her side hustle is unbelievable. Like one episode cameos and yeah, things. she has popped she's up so and you're like, oh my it. god, Molly Shannon's in this. She, she's head. so fucking killer. Um, I I like their relationship dynamic a lot. Again, this is one thing. It's a relationship that if you told me about, it, I'd be like, well, that's just like a cornball movie thing that like, oh, they got married and they obviously shouldn't have. But it makes a lot of sense. She is from a different world. She is a, a pushover. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's good at charming people and he gets what he wants. He's a little brat. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that they would just get married real quick. And then she's like, oh, I don't like you. I, imagine it, I I lo- love this. It's, it's tough for me to pick a favorite subplot because like they all have stuff that I love. And, you know, they kind of intertwine a little bit. But I think that it, it is so genius to have this Alexander Daddario character because, like, imagine what it must be like to actually go through this, to go on your honeymoon with somebody and throughout the course of the honeymoon, discover that you made the worst decision of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, to go through that, holy shit. 
Yeah. And it works. And they, she sells it. The writing sells it. Like it all clicks together. And, you know, you never sink into like a heavy drama here. Um, you know, things are still pretty like fun and, and funny, but like the intensity of that situation, you get it, man. It's, I think it works so well for me because there's not, uh, an Anna de Armas character in Knives Out. There are two, they split the work, uh, her and, uh, what's Sydney Sweeney's friend's name? Those two characters split that role basically. Uh, Paula. 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 Yeah. Because, uh, Dario is much more of like our surrogate. She's much more of a fish out of water for the entirety of the series. Like she is like, I don't, this world is crazy to me, but thematically she is, she isn't touching on any of the, Hey, we're desecrating other cultures. Like this is disgusting. This is white supremacy. Mm -hmm. She's not dealing with any of that. She's, uh, she's not like fully blamed for it, but she also is not about like, she's not, she does not at one point interrogate any part of that, right? right. No, is 100% she, not. No. She is just uh, observing her husband be a fucking prick. Yeah, a lunatic. the closest, well, the closest that she, that even gets to that, to touching that subject is her getting offended that, uh, that he says something about how, well, like your mom can't show up because she couldn't afford the plane ticket here. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a thing that you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh that hurts. But like, that's not... She's not interrogating the politics behind that statement. She's just interrogating the emotional. Yeah, ex- behind that. exactly. She because she's not a very bright character. Like she's not written to be very smart. There are characters in this that aren't smart and that's good writing. They do. I, it she, is kind of funny. It's I think episode two with um, uh, wherever they talk about um, the uh, uh, her and Connie Burton have the whole thing about yeah. like, her trying to be like, yeah, you know, like do it you're a writer yeah all this stuff and then like connie burton's like oh yeah you were that piece yeah that piece is like dog shit like that makes it sound <laughs> like i only got to where i am because i'm a fucking girl boss like <laughs> that's like and it's that's a great scene it's a great scene too because like it's a scene where both of them are like kind of right about that like i've read so many like shit articles clickbait shit like that that's just like garbage and it's demeaning to the people who are the subjects yeah. of the articles yeah and also but, and also it's a very legitimate critique beyond all that that she is she straight up admits she's repurposing someone else's yeah, profile like that's even the though, biggest thing of all of well that, yeah that, that, it's not even her thoughts this is one of the bigger clues that she's not she's not some like brilliant character who's in an awful situation she's dumb enough to put herself in the situation because this isn't her side hustle. These things. She's not like, oh, in her side time. Oh, I'll just like fuck up. This is her. She's really trying to yeah. make a life out of this. And that's but she still sees herself as like a journalist. I know. But when she's doing smaller work, that's her best. That's yeah. what she's putting in. Um, And there are also just, you know, there are plenty of other examples of this where it's like, oh, it's if she were a brilliant character who somehow manages to topple and dismantle the structure of this family and then, you know, and then this culture as a whole, that would just suck. That's not real. You know, she, uh, for a moment takes control of her own situation and no one else. It's great. It it flips the whole trophy wife person, that whole moniker that is just kind of given to her that Mm -hmm. we naturally attribute to a person that's in this position. She just kind of take a little bit of control back to it. I don't know how I feel about the very end. I guess that that's kind of the most realistic and human yeah, part they about end all up this. Together. Oh, that's awesome. Just, the thing is like that. It's just like they're sad, but like it's you just don't want to be alone. Yeah, that's you just don't want to be alone. Well, no, it's it's it's, it's 
this show doesn't end with the triumphant knives out yeah. ending. That's not what the show yeah. is. The show is like, yeah, these people suck. They continue to suck. Like yeah. they, yeah. they are stuck in this pattern. And, and imagine, don't break always, pattern. imagine always like being unhappy in your marriage and remembering but like the most awful time you had at your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. That is, that is like yeah. hell. The, <laughs> and the, the oppressed peoples of this remain fully oppressed yep. poor kai is, is in jail kai, kai is in jail and he's not getting out paula. kai is fully in jail because of paula paula's going to back to america yeah. she is she is not culpable she never sent that text she she is not going to be implicated in this crime she just feels bad and yet who who does she let embrace her and make her feel better is sydney sweeney so yeah. they don't they don't break out let's, they don't break out i mean of course they lose jennifer Everyone, gardner or jennifer gardner jesus christ coolidge. Uh, jennifer coolidge like just completely leaves belinda just out to fucking dry because well, she finds she finds somebody else to fill the void in her life we knew we knew that that was going to happen. That was, was coming, so but, telegraphed that yeah. like, but I mean, it's Belinda, just, you're not going to get your. You business. are right. Like that's kind of how the show leaves us. And the thing is, I did actually kind of want to talk about that last that last scene between Jennifer Coolidge and Belinda because like everything that Jennifer Coolidge, um, I'm playing out oh, Tanya McQuad. <laughs> McQuad. The way that she says it is so good. Um, the way Tanya and Belinda's like her scene together, like Tanya's right. Like she's actually saying like a good, healthy thing, which is like all my relationships are transactional and I don't want this to be a transactional relationship. We'll still like, we can still talk mm-hmm. and everything, but for Belinda, that's the most heartbreaking thing that she can possibly hear because she's used to the transactional relationship part, but she's getting used to like being the one to having to pay. Yeah. She's, yeah. T- she's and never actually getting she just any takes shit. Herself. And then also even in that, like she's being very open and like revelatory about herself, but Jennifer Coolidge is only talking about herself in that scene. She, she makes a point to say that's not healthy for me. <laughs> yeah. Like she's not even thinking about Natasha. She, yeah. you know, she's acting like she gives a shit about Belinda, but she really, doesn't because she is an old insane rich lady insane constantly out of her mind about her dead mom's ashes just like freak out mode Mm -hmm. she tumbling around this hotel (laughs) just like losing her fucking mind yeah she's such a killer she's so good so we mentioned uh molly shannon who's probably the guest mvp but we got to talk about my fucking guy john grease uncle rico from fucking napoleon dynamite who shows up in here unrecognizable i so i saw him and i was like who the fuck is this guy like i like watched a whole episode i was like i cannot place i cannot place (laughs) i had to look it up and i was like that's uncle rico like he looks like shit my (laughs) god what happened yeah he's coughing to like let us know like hey i might be that body at the end of the show but i'm dying (laughs) yeah what what that means is a he did yeah he was very muscular in Napoleon Dynamite and also just like that wig worked yeah <laughs> like he's wearing a wig in Napoleon Dynamite big time um, he's nice he's like a sweet man yeah. just enjoying his time he he he's such a good actor yeah mm-hmm. he's it's because Coolidge is good at playing that like mumble mouth thing for just like really funny fucking line reads um he like it, that's hard to do a lot of actors never master that as they yeah. age is like losing words or like struggling to find them in the first place and he he's so incredibly good at it yeah and the, the chemistry is great you buy that these people would meet at the bar you know and they're kind of both like broken in their own way so it makes sense especially like 
this relationship won't last between the two of them. But maybe, like, yeah. maybe it will because they're both just like they don't whatever. Get shit. He's, he's gonna like die in a year. Them, they just want something fun. Like they yeah. say, they're just like, I'm having fun right now. I yeah. want to keep having fun. He's and probably like, he's probably gonna die. It makes sense. Like you know, people want that. Just like you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. I'm not in it for the long. I'm not in it for a long time. I'm in it for a good time. She's gonna make it. <laughs> Tell the kid. Um. Yeah. It. He. It just. It owns so hard. Uh. Well, I, I, I really want to talk at? about about uh, Kai again, because mm-hmm. th- this is what I was talking about earlier, about how when this starts to really unfold, I felt like it was a little too late into the show. I wish it would have been seated a little bit more earlier, um, but I still love how it plays out. We essentially have the situation where um, Paula lures him into her her trap a little bit and and. Uh, you know, she's this beautiful woman who seduces a beautiful man. And then we get a little uh, wrinkle of a conspiracy, criminal conspiracy, where they can gain access to the safe of Connie Britton mm-hmm. and Steve Zahn, where uh, we have very expensive um, bracelets. Her $75,000 bracelet. $75,000 <laughs> yeah. That he is going to steal to pay for a lawyer to sue the people who built this hotel on sacred tribal land two seventy five thousand dollar bracelets how, how much is that getting us that's getting us to a hundred and fifty one hundred what kind of lawyer <laughs> is going to think that a hundred and fifty thousand dollars is enough to take on the massive corporation yeah, so that it's built not, this hotel here's the thing is that it's like the again it's almost like they the characters are like almost intentionally written to be like a little bit stupid yeah, like that's yeah. she's not, a college sophomore with no life experience to help her with this also i mean she's like wealthy in her own rights so like it's kind of like the whole like uh um the um lucille blue thing like how much does a banana cost like twenty dollars <laughs> like it's like almost like that like thinking like i don't know like a hundred that's good right uh here's the thing even if they would have gotten that hundred fifty thousand, even if they do get a lawyer, they're losing that fight. Yeah. We see this happen literally on the mainland yeah. constantly. Hotels there, it's not. At, it's you know, they're not going to knock it down. People are doing this. Native American tribes are fighting this like right now yeah. in America, and it's not going well for them. Yeah, uh, poor Kai is the. I think I don't know. It's him and Belinda. Really, they're both the most faultless characters. Uh, really, the only. Well, I guess also Uncle Rico is faultless yeah. uh all main cast is very faultful even even the ones that are more likable are just like bad right yeah you know even even dylan's like willing to be like to mess around with his boss yeah. it means he gets to say his own schedule um <laughs> and well, and paula for this is why i like the sudden switch from us because for like two or three episodes we think she's just a piece of shit yeah and we find out she she's like She's not just like a Pollyanna who just like saves the day at the end. She like she has some sort of awakening because like up until then, all we think of her and Sydney Sweeney is that they have fake ideals, that they un- they have a great understanding of ideals, but no actual stances. Yeah, they just want to do ketamine. They, they want to dissent. They just want to disagree. Yeah. Um, and she actually feels something. She feels a pang of passion for this one cause. Yeah. And she's but she's you know, this is one thing she feels. And she's like, okay, what can I do about it? And she comes up with a dumb plan and it goes wrong, you know? And you also get a lot out of like, again, the show just does a really good job at like painting the picture for these scenarios, for these situations and the dynamics of these characters. Like you get a lot out of the idea that she, 
uh, is getting to know this family more during this trip. Mm. Right. Maybe she's hung out with them a couple times enough for them to trust her to bring her with them. Oh, yeah. But this trip is like making her realize who these people really are in a way she didn't know before and know her friend more than she knew her before. Yeah. And you, and you know, by the time they leave, she's like, oh, I'm never going to like really look at you the same way again because you showed me kind of like that your family represents a certain type of privilege and that you're activism is very performative because you just fold in as one of them yeah at but the, end of the, day. the thing is that i almost feel like it's left off on a note of paula like i feel like paula's still gonna like kind of hang Dude, out with no one her. breaks like, out man kind of, she's, paula, she's, yeah she's, she's still, still there sure. like yeah. i mean think about like there's that whole thing that just like this is your tribe like the, these are your people yeah. you're never gonna leave this and, and everything but whenever she has a chance to step up and stay something she's not going to and no, well our younger characters experience what feels like more uh, permanent changes than the adults. Like Steve Zahn, I don't think is going to be significantly different. Think he's going to be fucking now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're they're still going to have the exact same dynamic problem. Like that's right. like, that's not going to fundamentally change. But at hey, the, at least he has a scuba license um, now. But Olivia Sydney Sweeney, who I think uh, is. I haven't seen you for it. She's so good. Man. Yeah, like dude. she's like she's otherworldly at this character. She does undergo very subtly over probably i think three episodes the final three she does have a gradual arc of change and we're not to believe it to be true until the very last episode but i genuinely believe that it like it got through to her and she realized she does suck however what is she gonna do she's not yeah, gonna do anything. She get, the thing and she'll, she'll be a better ally and she'll like probably be a slightly better person but Another reason kind of affirming my thought of Paula just going back with Olivia and kind of slinking back into her old ways is that it's not like Olivia was always perfect to her before. Like they talked about they literally talk about in the show a couple different times about how um, if Paula like likes a dude, then Olivia will just like go behind her back and fuck <laughs> that guy. Oh and God. like they're still friends. I can't imagine possibly still being friends with yeah, somebody no like way, after that man. situation, after that happens. Like that's so low. But if you still were couldn't break out something like that then what's gonna well, make yeah. you break out now when somebody like has essentially dirt on you yeah and there also is a dynamic where paula you know is ostensibly like has some amount of wealth but uh olivia's family is like crazy crazy yeah. rich their their mom runs a search engine yeah um, um goop yeah wait goop. no it's not goop. <laughs> goople it's goople goople <laughs> um so yeah, I'm they're, at the goop. they're mega, mega the rich. You, you know, you hang around with this girl, you get to go to Hawaii. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's that type of shit. So uh, yeah, there's, it's just a lot of power dynamics. Another thing this show has a lot to say about that something like, something like Succession does touch on this a good amount, but this, this show centers episodes around uh, psychosexual dynamics. It's, yeah. this, this show is so much about sex. Um, I mean, Steve Zahn, especially yeah. that character is very like, driven by sex to the point where he has a one episode long bender um that he goes on after he finds out that his dad died yeah. of aids and then he has that that uh encounter with armand at the bar yeah. just like do you want to find out what it's like to fuck a man <laughs> it's so good him just talking just like we're all just fucking gorillas and then like crawling into bed drunk as fuck dude that, that that's another great it's, fucking line reading from our guy murray bartlett <laughs> 
when he just his face just shifts ever so Do you slightly. Want to find out? <laughs> <laughs> I just my jaw dropped. That I was, was like, awesome. Oh, shit. I was like, yo, Steve Zonka, fuck it, let's go. That would rock. But again, because we had already knew enough about Steve Zonka, I was like, he's he, he's straight like he actually is like insane about women and connie Britton, like mm -hmm. he's crazy horny um he just like is cocked you know he just like doesn't <laughs> he, he can't yeah. live it out um we, we gotta talk so we gotta talk about um the relationship with the son too um but before i wanted to just really quickly mention the moment where the actual like uh theft happens that he intercepts and he just like beats the shit out of uh or no kai beats the shit out yeah, of yeah kai just punches him and leaves uh kai was going to leave uh, with no violence yeah. if had he not shown up however right. he he gets his hero moment right and connie Britton lets him even though if she, she she's smart if she wanted to be an asshole she could yeah. be like but yeah, that's like his leave. that's like his like absolute like peak yeah. of the entire of his entire journey he's like i got to i got to save my wife yeah, yeah you got to be a hero <laughs> and they're at dinner and she puts his hand on his yeah. and they like the, the look on his face when she does it's that is so, is uh. like great acting and then mike white very smartly uh, just sits on that look and then like pans across everyone at the table noticing their react <laughs> reaction to it like yeah. oh my god i want to talk about the dinner scenes that's what i want to talk about uh before um moo gassed us out earlier is there's like i think the dinner scenes in every episode there's one of them and that's like where the show is just like fucking singing and they all have these very different ideas but it's where it's just like people all sitting around a table and talking and that's when like you'll hear like a lot of fucked up like white privilege shit that can go wrong in a lot of instances um like, I know, I mean, speaking of Steve's on like his whole thing, just like, like, I'm not homophobic, but like, it's kind of fucked up that my dad, my dad fucked dudes like, <laughs> like, he's like saying shit like that. And then kind of going into uh, policy and Kai actually having to perform like a Hawaiian ritual dance there, which I mean, shit, our friend of the pod, David, uh, just came back from Hawaii and I'm sure that he saw this shit happening in Hawaii. This shit happens every day, like even at not super duper nice resorts. Like, yeah. And then uh, speaking toward how it doesn't go wrong and how how well written this is when the next day when it's brought up that she wasn't uncomfortable with that performance, mm -hmm. um, everyone at the table goes on an insane tirade that is really fucked about yeah. about how colonialism is like, bad and all but like what are you going to do but like won? actually they're like yeah. honoring their culture <laughs> yeah they're saying like that. listen the whites won what do you want me to give you my money <laughs> yeah because if you zoom out these people are still pieces of shit we've seen them incrementally grow they still generally suck man and that's something a lot of these shows don't understand especially something like this which is more like a movie yeah like it's it's one arc and a lot of the time it's bad to good and these people don't go bad mm -hmm. to good man no. they just they do not if anyone they're so close to getting it like during these scenes like their conversations it's like they're almost there like they almost understand how to be an empathetic person that yeah, understands but, but like these are people colonials but the, the show doesn't uh overestimate the white lotus hotel they're there for like a week or two they have been alive for 50 years 
what's going to outweigh what? Like, what's going to affect the personality yeah. more? Like, they get a <laughs> tiny little moment to, like, entertain the idea of, like, hey, maybe I am too rich. Yeah, but they and, still suck. Yeah. They suck. They, but then they, they fucking you know, suck. They yeah. go back home and, and yeah. that's that. that. That scene also displays another thing uh, that comes up a lot at, at the dinner conversations. But in general, um, every episode has at least two uh, storylines that are running parallel in terms of either theme or uh, the character's journey or the feel. Um, and well, here's the thing is one hallmark of great writing or one thing that I, I at least like wish I could do better is Steve Zahn's monologue in that scene isn't just about uh, like his feelings on colonialism. He's really trying to make a pointed attack to Connie Britton when he's saying all that stuff. He's saying, what am I going to just spend my whole life paying for past mistakes? <laughs> yeah, he's he's. And then, you know, it's directed as because that's obviously he's trying to talk to Connie. Yeah. Meanwhile, that is directly affecting an entirely different storyline and he has no clue about it. Yeah. But that that conversation is what really puts her over the top to like, okay, I got to rob these people. They suck so bad. Like that is good ass writing. You're right. That's really That's, good. Yeah. It's like perfect, perfect television writing right there. Um, so the sun, we got to talk about our guy, uh, Fred head hecking Quinn Hecking's baby. Right. Yeah. I love Quinn. Oh, one, one thing that I did want to say, cause it kind of ties into that too, is that I just, you know, good TV writing of, uh, watching a rise while watching a fall is that you watch the Mossbergers show up to this hotel like already broken and so apart and disjointed and then slowly coming together and then you see um, uh, the patents with Alexander Daddario and Jake Lacey fall apart, fall apart. Yeah. just really well done uh, yeah. so yeah Quinn I think is like the the sneakiest little touch of um kind of like an emotional core to the show yeah, a little because bit. i i was almost wrong he's pretty faultless he's in this family that like sucks shit but yeah. like they all hate him <laughs> yeah like and, they, and like they you know he for no real reason except for like he's a horny yeah. teenage boy who jacks off he just like well, he doesn't talk to them. he's just he's wildly addicted to his screens and he like isn't a human being yeah. you know what i mean he's just like gone he's a different type of sociopath but the, the dad doesn't hate him the dad really wants <laughs> to connect well, yeah he especially as things go on because i feel like in the first episode it's more just like a, oh quinn come on but then like he has this thing where he's just like he realizes mid first episode he's like oh my god quinn's the same age i was when my dad died i don't have a relationship with my yeah. dad so then it's he's, a, of, he's doing it more so it's for himself fake, yeah it's that a little fake, bit yeah. it's just every every character we're going through has some sort of awakening like that's what yeah. happens at this hotel they're they're, they're having some, an existential crisis some truly beautiful moments with quinn when he's on that beach yeah he sees that whale at sunrise like the show has these slow moments where it just like it lets you kind of take a a break from like the panic and anxiety of all of these characters clashing together. Mm -hmm. And Quinn is kind of the center of some of these moments of a lot of these moments. And I just I really appreciated the time to have this character that's like, you know, in some ways discovering that there are better things than being part of this fucked up family mm -hmm. that you know he's growing up he's getting older and he's seeing like wow there's a whole world out there right i i can be whatever i want i don't have to be a spoiled fucking little bitch brat yeah 
that uh, is part of the problem. And well, and also the sources that he's been going to for uh stimulation for like feeling good are wrong like he's going to the short-term answers yeah, he's going synthetic yeah he's going to porn and screens like yeah. that's you know yeah um and everyone can relate to some part of that like yeah. we all spend too much fucking time on screens and also just the the wonder of of nature yeah. right like he just like he, he doesn't want to do it he's like no i want to stay on my fucking switch i don't want to go scuba diving like fuck that and he i don't know if he's like he's not forcing himself to do it he starts sleeping outside, but he's not like he's not doing it because it's like his only choice. There is a, a, a some part of him that wants to do it that is telling him that he wants to be a little bit closer to nature. Yeah, like exactly like he would. I mean, he like loses his phone and his switch and his tablet yeah. and like all of his toys in the ocean. And like if that was just the thing, it like if he didn't have that motion, that moment with the whale. Then he probably would be like, fuck this. I'm not sleeping. I'll just like deal yeah. and sleep. Also, in you can closet. just get another room. Like, this is a this family can this is a huge it. hotel. <laughs> they can afford it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, what is the best uh the best suite that's there? It's gotta be the palm, right? It's definitely palm is definitely better than the pineapple. Suite. So the palm has the view. Pineapple's ass. Pineapple sucks. Pineapple like, is a murder room. It's, it's yeah, tacky. Yeah, it's so tacky. The color scheme in there is bad. It's like, oh, there's like a wave pool in the back. And it's like, well, I'd rather be able to see the ocean while I'm at the ocean. Right. Than, like, um, so yeah, I I think we've touched on every uh big storyline. I don't know if we missed anything else. Is, was there any other big like moments throughout that really jumped out at y'all? Like any big? Um, well, we didn't talk too much about the um the armand drug um the bender the benders yeah i mean well, the, the continuous benders they went down and everything. He, yeah he steals the bag from the girls and he starts doing all the drugs that they brought with them i like i don't know i've kind of i don't know i might want to get your guys take on this because part of me almost wishes that we dove more into that but also part of me is happy that we didn't because armand was like kind of throughout this even at like his lowest points was still like kind of the beacon of like at least humor yeah. uh, in all of this drama. Well, we're, we, no matter what, what think, because like, he, he did plenty of like, like really disagreeable shit, but no matter what, we fully agree with him on one point, which is hating Jake Lacey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, like, that's established like that really up front. Like we're yeah. like, Oh, we see him hating him. We're Dude, like, Oh good. Someone else. So yeah. good. The whole, I'm going to send you, he's like, I ah, can you just do me a favor? Like since you fucked up our room, can you just, <laughs> I want to do something romantic for my wife. And he's like, Oh yeah, I have a perfect idea. I'm going to send yeah. you on this boat with a woman who he knows is fucking insane. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> the, the boat's really big. It's really know. big. And like, she'll, she'll be quiet. She'll be yeah. keeping to herself. Well, and everything. speaking toward everyone, everyone having some sort of awakening or crisis he's the first one because in episode one yeah he's uh, devoted he's, to the mission of the hotel he's, he's training a new employee who we never see past episode one yeah which is really fascinating yeah um and he doesn't notice that she is clearly in labor the entire time um and that causes yeah that causes him to rethink his job he's like why like oh my god like i'm a piece of shit like i suck <laughs> Cause he does suck, and but he has a grand time fucking unraveling. Oh he, yeah, he goes down swinging with fireworks and sparks and everything. It's it's phenomenal. Like knowing now, knowing how it all plays out and looking back on his arc, it's like he is spiraling, but he is enjoying the hell out of it mm -hmm. as nobody else could. 
Yeah. And we'd love to see it. He's he's so, so good. I think we got just enough of him because the more we delve into him, uh, you know, hanging out with fucking and giving drugs to teenage boys, the less I would like him (laughs) personally, Hunter. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, no, that's I think that that's why I was like, because it's almost just like that seems like the most. I don't know, like surface level of like the deep uh, inner workings of like, like the deep uh, character arcs or something like that. It's like it's not episodes it's just like with kind an of, ensemble cast. There is no way that we were going to get a character study. Yeah. No, no, I know. But there's more character studies into every other character except for him. That's why I asked that. Or it just ended up being a different type of character story for him. It's it's just very traditional. It's like it's yeah. almost like a vigilante justice movie I, with him. I do want to ask. You know, he's like, I've had it. Yeah. You know, you make like, these yeah, people pay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that yeah, that's that's um, it's a lot less nuanced than a lot of, of other things that happen in the show. You're dead right. I did want to ask because um, this is another person, and like I thought it as I watched episode one, and I was like, I need to double check that. I need to double check that. I completely forgot until we just mentioned her, the uh, pregnant woman. Do we know who that is? Jolene Purdy, oh. the same woman uh, who plays a teenage girl in Donnie, Donnie Darko. Darko. <laughs> yeah, I like knew I was just shut like, up. I was like that face like she has like a, a very like a face that I recognize. And yep, that was it. Wow. She uh, so. <laughs> she's like in one scene in Donnie Darko, the shut up. Uh, scene. No, she's in a couple scenes because she has a crush on Donnie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With she has like that. It's like she's her at, locker or something. One or of, she has a she's book. Part of one of the best line readings I've ever heard in any movie ever, which is when the high school kids are at the bus stop together and they're smoking a cigarette and there's like, "You want to hit this, Donnie?" It's like, it's like, oh man, it's some good shit. It's like it's a fucking cigarette. <laughs> it's so good. Every time I hear that line, it's the best. So good. Uh, all right. The last thing I wanted to mention uh, was about Quinn. And the um, the the final beat of him just like sailing off into the waters <laughs> with the with the rowers, mm. I was like, that is the way to end it. Beautiful yeah. note, like it's, just breaking away from the toxicity. Yeah. Well, you know what? One it, beacon of hope. It's yeah. it's the exact same thing as the end of the Florida project. Oh, where you know you know that it's not yeah it's like not real. they're not just yeah. gonna leave him there for yeah. no even it's real. Like he went, I'm sure he like bailed on the plane. He's not gonna stay there forever. Like yeah no they're right back. they're right behind they him. They own him. Like, yeah. <laughs> they really could just like be like hey he's not here. Let's just go now. Like that might just not happen. Like it's it's fantastical. Um, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah, as soon as he comes back from the water, you know, his his family's there. No, like, they will know even if the plane departs because they're like, oh, maybe he's like, you know, you know, up front in the plane or whatever. Like they'll, he'll just be home in a week. Like it's not it's it's not going to end with him. He's not going to join the rowing team. Did you see the other guys on that rowing <laughs> yeah. team? Uh, there's one key difference. And, uh, <laughs> but but just huge, man. The idea of him like going from buried in it's, we're buried in our phones. It's well, it's just it it generates the same feeling as the Florida Project, which is like it's all fucked. Like none of these people fully break out of the cycle they're in. No one can no no one can actually wholly transform themselves in the matter of a week because of one experience. Um, but 
you want to you have hope that you can you have but, hope that you can change and break out but maybe he's gonna be thinking about you know he, he'll turn like 18 go to college and he's gonna be thinking about that hawaii yeah, trip no exactly the like, there's 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 hope it's just fucking he'll join a crew team yeah. yeah and they'll realize like oh crew teams are also mostly just rich white dudes <laughs> so it's just yeah it's i don't know it's the lesson of like there's no easy answers in life there's no easy way out like you are stuck in a fucked up <laughs> like universe yeah um because I, mike white is interested in that he has been you know for decades like i said he wrote a lot of navel gazy stuff um he's clearly interested in like existential questions and like why am i here he took a pretty long break mid-career um and i don't think it was entirely just because he wasn't getting projects he probably de he definitely wasn't getting what he wanted to get done mm -hmm. but you can still get those paycheck screenplays he did that later but he took years off he was on survivor pretty recently yeah um like he's you know he's just a dude like he's like link later in that way that's why they were a great match for school of rock because they're both fascinated by like epistemological questions wait wait, wait. he was in survivor yes he yeah, went on survivor he's a, he's as a contestant. contestant wait what yeah he man. doesn't make it very long no but no anytime someone like famous is on there yeah. it doesn't go well because they does have that money even, what how does that even happen <laughs> No, I mean it was on. I think it that happens. he was on. Um, Sometimes once there was a pro basketball player on there, you know. Yeah, no, player. actually, weirdly, he did pretty solid. Like he made it okay, oh and then he got blindsided. God, look at him! It's it's funny. I did not. Why wow, I am shocked he's right just, now. Yeah, he's just like a. He also dude. looks weird with a beard to me. Like I just don't. That's not the Ned Schneebly that I remember. Ned Schneebly was a nice, clean cut looking dude. It's <laughs> oh <God, laughs> a little scary. Um. All right. Great show. We are big, big fans. I want to shout out again the music. It was my favorite part of the whole show. Complimented the visuals and the setting of this island really, really well. Um, it was a vibe. Yeah, it he's was a straight up vibe. He's a good director. It, it reminds me of what we saw from Steve McQueen in his in yep. um what's it called? Uh, Small Axe. Yeah, in Small Axe, where like he follows emotion with the camera so well. He's so so good at that. Because he understands what's important in the film. Yeah. It's not what looks the coolest. It's what it's what the audience is supposed to like grab onto and feel. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the White Lotus. We will see when we get a season two. It might be next year, although I doubt it. it might be a 23. If they want to keep it like a summer show. I, yeah. Maybe like a 2023. I hope that like it doesn't get too big like i don't want it to be a big little lie season two situation mm. where it was like only ever meant to be a one season thing and they bring it back and they throw more money at and they it'll get more be a stars different cast of characters though yeah we'll, but, we'll have a fun new adventures with new crazy i mean people. I, yeah i hope so like i think that one of the things that i liked about this i mean there's still money behind it like they're at a fucking resort and they filmed in hawaii like there's still money behind this thing but like you don't feel it too much like you feel it just enough to make it feel like you are on yeah at a really rich yeah, nice it's about, resort it's about the performances but, yeah exactly it's not about the That's production right. scale um all right we are still doing our next career arc series so please be sure to vote in that as we mentioned earlier finals coming up semis are still out depending on when you are listening to this and that'll decide our next big series which will start later this year uh next week shang chi no we're not feeling the shang chi I, and the legend of the yeah, ten I'm, rings i'll see it all right uh Maybe. i'll, I'll see you know. tbd 
uh, and not that much else. Maybe we can dip back into the the TV um, bowl a little bit with things that we need to catch up on. Um, there's also, like I mentioned, the Sopran- I'm watching The Sopranos. Yeah, there's that Sopranos too. movie coming out. I, uh, I'm trying to binge through it, but yeah. Dude, it's... the fucking Sopranos. Like, hey, it's I kn- a good show, guy. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys have heard about this little show called The Sopranos, but it turns out that's pretty freaking good. I know that like everybody says it's the best show, but like actually watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this, this is, like is the literally best. like one of the best things ever. Like, yeah. Every shot yeah. is impeccable. It's so funny. Dude, the idea... I just want to open up a strip joint uh, that I can use as a front and call it Bada Bing. <laughs> the idea of, of, like, melding a, like, mobster drama with, like, a family drama mm-hmm. is insane. And, like, the show just, like, fluctuates so crazy yeah. and it all fits together. The season one premise is, like, what if Al Pacino from The Godfather went to therapy? Yeah. <laughs> it's literally. just like, oh, this is the best. Incredible. This is the best. Gandolfini. Ah, uh, so good. Edie Falco. Uh, them, like one of the best husband wife actor duos ever. Yeah. Dude, Top five. Every scene is just, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, sure. We also have a new James Wan movie, Malignant, hey. dropping on HBO Max and also in theaters. I'd rather watch that. Um, That is going to probably be really fucking good. Yeah. I love James Wan. An original horror movie from a master director. Yeah. Like, hell yes, let's fucking go. Yeah. And uh, we were also planning on having Danny back on to talk uh, music festivals in the COVID era, but Bonnaroo got canceled. So maybe we might have him back on if uh, if uh, Shaky Knees happens and we decide yeah. to uh, to keep, keep our tickets. Oh, speaking of James Wan, um, you know, he made Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Another person, uh, that guy is Kai, plays young Aquaman. Oh, he does. Yeah. Well, there you go. Plus, All right. That guy's going to grow up to look like Jason Momoa. Yes, exactly. That's that a guy spitting was good image. looking. Yeah. yeah. That it's so frustrating when you see someone with proportions like that. And it's like, well, that's just that's not something you get in the gym, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's like, not happening. Oh, well. I, my, my top half will never be that much wider than my bottom half. I'm, gotta, like, <laughs> I'm stressing about what the tailor's going to have to do to make me look OK. For you got to spin a <laughs> yeah. lot of fire. It's been a lot of fire to get yeah. to that point. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, share, vote in the bracket and visit our website, webottomike.net and follow us on social media at webottomike. Stay tuned for next week. If we uh, talk Shang-Chi or more ketchup, got plenty of ketchup to get through and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my god oh my god the dog farted oh my god did he like shit i hope not oh my fucking god it's the worst farts ever that is so gnarly jesus christ keep it keep this
I I want to talk about a little bit about the just more about art. The dog farted again. The dog farted again. He's just he's smiling. Are we gonna edit all these out? We can't. We just have to keep going. Just keep going, oh Hunter. My God. Hunter, I can't. I lost my train of thought now. The show must go on, Hunter. It's so bad. <laughs> he's just smiling at it's us. So-